severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to Just Get a Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am, of course, your host, Jamie McKinley, and it's good to be back. Thank you to Elliot for doing the intros and outros last week when I was away. Much appreciated. I'm recording this week's intros and outros on what I can only describe as one of the most dreaky and miserable days we'd had in Scotland in a long time. It's horrible weather outside, um, so I'm going to try and get my energy levels up. It's hard when it's all yucky and grey outside. But we have a brilliant, brilliant episode in store for you this week again. And speaking to us on the podcast this week, we were joined by director and dramaturg Marley Hackle. And Marley was a great person to speak to on the podcast. We spoke about lots of things, including her process as a director, how she approaches texts as a dramaturg. And we also spoke about her new play, Proud, which is coming out very soon in London next week. It's on at the Kingshead Theatre and it's running from the 22nd to 12th of March. So any London-based listeners, be sure to go and see that. There's links to it in the show notes and, of course, we'll speak about more in today's episode. But it was a really, really good conversation, so I'm sure you will enjoy. And just before... I get into this week's episode, just the usual housekeeping. If you are a new listener, thank you very much for tuning in. If you are a returning listener, as always, thank you very much for coming back and listening. We really, really appreciate your support. If you're enjoying the podcast, we're, of course, an independent podcast. So word of mouth is like our biggest tool to keep growing. So if you are enjoying this podcast or you're listening to it for for the first time today and you think, oh, this is a really good podcast, be sure to tell friends and family to listen. Be sure to share it on your social media platforms and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the latest episodes. It really does go a long, long way in helping us to keep growing as a podcast and also we also have a patreon page and you can donate as little or as much as you like to that and that goes back into the upkeep of the podcast and we also donate 10 percent of the patreon every year to a local charity so all goes back into the podcast and to a good cause but anyway i think that is everything i had to say in the intro i hope wherever you're listening it's also nice and sunny and it's not all miserable like it is here and if it is miserable i hope this brings you much needed joy and cheers you up but anyway without much further ado episode 67 of just get a real job with director and dramaturg marley hackle hello marley how you doing thank you very much for coming on just get a real job hi yeah thanks so much for having me i'm doing good thanks just got back from rehearsals so yeah a bit tired but all good. i'm glad i'm glad i'm knackered as well i've been at work all day as well so i'm glad that we're both on the same wavelength thank you for giving up a, a tuesday <laughs> evening for us not at all and we'll obviously talk about what you're in rehearsals for as we go on into as we get into the episode but first of all I sort of like to start the podcast by talking about like what our guest earliest creative memories were so like what were your sort of earliest creative memories do you remember when you first sort of thought um, I'd like to be a director I'd like to be a dramaturg etc yeah I, I don't know at exact I can't pinpoint the exact moment that I decided I wanted to be a director but I've always kind of done theatrey things so even when I was really young kind of the first creative memories are of my sisters and my cousins and me all creating plays together so we would write them and then like we'd rehearse them and put them on in my grandparents living room (laughs) and I guess I just loved doing that like I loved telling stories found that a lot of fun but I also always danced from a really young age and I guess yeah that was like a, a always a creative outlet for me but I also did drama from when I was like four or five like I was going to kind of kids like drama clubs. So I guess it was always there. And like a lot of people, I think I thought I wanted to be an actor. But then I think around the time when I was sort of 16 and I was in sixth form, I had a really great theatre studies teacher. Mm. And I think she first kind of introduced me to the concept of directing. She was a director herself and she was brilliant. And I guess that kind of sparked my interest that I was like, I love what she's doing in like shaping the narrative of what we were were giving her as part of the A-level we did quite a lot of devised work and she was great at kind of pulling strands of things and getting us to explore things further yeah like molding things and being kind of like the crafter of a story so I guess that really excited me so I guess yeah that's kind of the first moment and then when I actually I think at school I did a bit of directing I managed to put on a play or something and still was doing a bit of acting and I think just when I went to I did a bit of training as an actor and I think at that point I realized what I really want to do is is be a director 
yeah does that answer the question <laughs> no there's I mean there's there's plenty of stuff stuff to sort of unpack in that and like you're talking as well about how you obviously did a lot of dance when you were younger and stuff and I know from reading your website and my you know research for this that movement is like a big part of your like practice as a director and stuff right definitely yeah no I've always been really interested in movement and I guess I guess partly coming from a dance background like the kind of marriage of movement and music is always something that I've loved and kind of been really fascinated by and I guess like when I came to be a director and I had the opportunity to incorporate that into the plays I was directing I suddenly was kind of like oh this is another avenue to explore what I'm really interested in which is human behavior essentially and our psychologies and suddenly it was a way to kind of dig deeper into things that sometimes mm. language can't get at. Yeah, it was like another lens onto things that naturalistic dialogue goes so far in doing, but can't necessarily dig as deep as maybe we would, we we like have more license to do with those kind of more abstract forms of storytelling. Yeah, no, no, it's really interesting. I'll kind of, I've got like a few questions more specifically about your style as a director and stuff, but I'll sort of get into that later in the episode because I sort of like to start with people's sort of earliest uh, memories and stuff. But yeah. as well, you're sort of saying at school and things like you didn't really think about direct until you'd met like that teacher and stuff like that. So like, I just wondered on just as a, obviously this is a podcast about people's careers and like the sort of industry in general, but like when do you remember starting to sort of understand what it was like a director was and like, that it would possibly be a, a viable career option for yourself to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm only really realising this now as I'm talking about <laughs> it, but I think that that teacher at school mm-hmm. did have a big impact on me. But also that when I went to drama school for a bit to train, I think I started watching what our teachers were doing. Like a lot of them were, were directors. And I guess, yeah, I just was interested in, in what they were able to get out of actors, like being mm-hmm. able to tap into what was really going on in a scene or underneath a piece of text in order to kind of release something that wasn't necessarily there to start with. So I started getting interested in in that process. And yeah, I did a kind of short directing course as well, where we were kind of put into pairs with some some actors and could direct them doing a monologue. And I guess that was the first time that I started to think like actors don't just, they don't just get up on stage and and act. There is a person behind that that's kind of making Mm. loads of decisions and crafting things in a certain way in order to get a particular response. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess once I realized the director's role, but also the, the power in that and how empowering it is to kind of direct someone and see like the meaning of something change so dramatically because you've put a different spin on it or you've you've asked some questions or you've kind of created a set of circumstances that great actors come in and, and just run with. And suddenly you have something very different from what you started with. And I guess it's like, it's that transformation that I was like, oh, it's like a, that was a drug to me. I was so excited by it. (laughs) Like had to keep doing it. So yeah. No, well, I'm also very excited to have you on the podcast because we have actually not had many directors on this. I think we'd had two directors maybe before, more from a film or TV medium as well. So it was really interesting to have someone like yourself on this podcast. So I've got lots of like sort of geeky director related questions to sort of ask as we go on. Because I mean, I work, right. I'm a script editor like in TV. So like, I work, tend to work right. more from a, you know, think about things from a screenwriter point of view. And obviously this podcast is very varied. So it is really exciting to have you on. But like the next question I sort of have for you is about where you're from and sort of how that's influenced you as a creative person and things like that. So firstly, are you, you're from London, right? Yes. And I think, I think having grown up in London has definitely had a big impact on me going into the theatre. Like I was really lucky that my parents loved going to the theatre and always took us to see shows from quite an early age. I guess that was another one of my quite early memories. I think I saw Billy Elliot when I was like seven or something. And I was like, oh my God, mind blown. Like this just, I was so moved by it, I guess. And I hadn't had that experience before. So I think that was another reason that I was like, I want to go into theatre. But I think just being able to see such a diverse mix of theatre in London, that combined with going to the Edinburgh Fringe quite yeah, often that's where that's where I am right now Edinburgh so right. yeah yeah so I think like having the combination of those two things meant that yeah like this love of theatre was being fed from quite early on I guess so like how often did you go up to the fringe then was that like quite a regular thing just on, just out of general curiosity yeah so I think I can't remember what age I was when I discovered it I was still at school maybe like 15 16 and then there was kind of six years in a row I think where we went every year Amazing. and yeah saw like four or five shows a day it was just absolutely like in my heaven <laughs> just getting so much new work I think because in 
London, I'd grown up seeing a lot of classical work. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I feel like also my parents were quite like when I started to show an interest in theatre, it was like you need to start with the classics. And so I saw a lot of Shakespeare and I saw like Ibsen and that, you know, the kind of where how where like drama was built from, I guess. And then suddenly I went to the fringe and like there was all this experimental stuff, you know, uh, one woman shows where they were playing like seven different roles and stuff with no talking at all and just song or dance or circus. So I guess, yeah, that's kind of like where I was like, where I was exposed to all these different forms of storytelling that was yeah. far beyond what I'd seen maybe like in London from like, yeah, growing up, I guess. Yeah. So it sort of sounds like you'd been very much engrossed in theatre from a long, long time then. Like you'd, you know, always are sort of surrounded by it, which is, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I feel very lucky in that way that I was kind of, it, it was always available to me. So, yeah. Do you think that like, because we'd had quite a few guests from London as well, and they always say that like it was the like no matter if they're from a different class or whatever background they're from, they always sort of talk about like just having this access to the, the theatre in a different way and like having mm. access to just creative spaces. I just that which is an interesting thing, I guess. I suppose that's maybe like the the luck of living in a city like that, as you mm-hmm. just have access to all this stuff. Yeah, definitely, and especially when you go beyond the West End. Like, of course, there's great shows in the West End, but you know, I grew up in Camden. There are loads of little pub theatres in Camden, and you know for five pounds you can go and see something and you know it might be shit but you know one out of two times it might be amazing and it's some actors and a director or whatever who've created something which can be really affecting with only you know a few people on a stage so yeah I guess like being able to see that from early on was yeah really exciting yeah no I'm very jealous you grew up in Camden it's a, it's a lovely place to go like um, I can't imagine growing up there I mean I grew up in like a smallish town so the idea of growing up somewhere as excited as Camden is like crazy to me <laughs> yeah I think I was like over Camden Market by the time I was like 12 I was like oh. <laughs> that's very fair that's very fair well speaking of London and stuff like another question we I love to ask one of my favorite questions on this uh, podcast because I suppose it's because it doesn't really relate to the arts it's just a sort of general curiosity thing but do you have like a favorite word or phrase from where you're from from Camden or from London that you really like like a word or that maybe people said growing up that you just really like the sound of or something oh god I don't know probably not like from where I'm from I think my family has lots of sayings Mm. that I never really noticed until my boyfriend started commenting on them and saying like you guys have this language going on and I was like (laughs) apparently we have like another word for everything but I couldn't even give you an example because I'm almost like I'm so used to it so yeah I don't know I feel like I don't have a great (laughs) answer that one It's all right. I mean, that it's, it's one of those ones where like you don't think about it until somebody mm. asks you and then you and like you'll go away in an hour after this interview. And you'll probably go, I should have said that. Like, do you know what I mean? That, that's what all because like it's weird when I'm on the other side of this thing and, I, and I'm interviewed by people. I'm like when you're on the spot, you're like, oh, my God, I have a totally different appreciation for like people being interviewed. So don't worry at all. Except <laughs> the answer is <says. laughs> I'd sort of like speaking, you obviously were talking about directing stuff in high school and things like that. Like, what were your next steps after that? Like, did you, you were saying you went off to drama school. Like, at that point, were you still thinking, I might be an actor, I just want to be involved in theatre in any way? Or were you like, I want to be a director at this point? Yeah, so I think like, I had a bit of a weird path in that I started at university doing English and drama and I liked that and there as part of the drama course we got exposed to like all elements of theatre making so we had to spend a bit of time doing costume and lighting but I only was there for sort of a year because I didn't really I felt I either wanted to really do the drama stuff and the Mm. theatre stuff or I wanted to do the literature stuff and I felt like I was I couldn't really get the best of both being in that environment so I left and that's when I decided to go and like train more as an actor and I guess partly because at that point I didn't really know that training for directors existed I think I just wanted to have a bit more like a a few more tools under my belt I think even that first year at university I'd started directing and kind of experimenting a little bit but I wanted to kind of know more about the craft and how I could get really good at it, I guess. So yeah, went went to kind of train as an actor for a bit. Through that, realized what I really want to do as a director. I was that annoying person where I would always be kind of saying, oh, shouldn't you just shift a bit that way? Or what if we put this here and put that there? And everyone was like, can't, why are you just focused on your character? And I was like, I just can't. Like I, I was so mm. envious of the person who was looking from the outside, who got to see everything and all the moving parts and was able to kind of shape them in a certain way. So I guess I decided at that point, I really wanted to be a director. But I really wanted to spend more time reading and investigating and like interrogating text. I think that's what I found I didn't get at drama school, that it was all really practical. It was great, but I felt like I just wanted to do more text work. So that's when I went back to university and I did an English degree for three years. And through that, I kind of used my degree to 
read read loads of plays essentially so from yeah. greek tragedy to modern stuff and just like spent loads of time looking at text and then yeah I kind of whilst I was at university by the time I I got there I really knew I wanted to be a director so I almost used the time reading and exploring drama to as as a like training for myself to get as familiar with that world as possible so yeah and whilst I was at university we had this thing every year where a professional director came in and directed some of the final year students from any subject who wanted to be actors essentially and we, we he directed them in a showcase that was going to be presented to agents and he they always had an assistant director and I was really lucky I got to assist this professional guy who came in so I guess mm. through that I also learned quite a lot from him it was like my first assisting experience so yeah through through that and then yeah once I left university I was kind of like okay I want to make this happen now so yeah <laughs> great no that, that is very interesting and we'll we'll come on to like making that happen in a second because obviously you have been okay. which is amazing but I just wanted to pick out a few things and I also wanted to talk about the fact that you're also a dramaturg as well as a director because I've not really met many people that have that have done that role and, and I find it interesting so like do you mind just t- talking for a second for the listeners as if they do not know what a dramaturg is and sort of talk about what that involves yeah I guess it can involve lots of things but I think mostly when I'm working with playwrights I think my role is to try and understand as far as possible what the playwright is trying to achieve what their yeah. intentions are and helping them realize them essentially in the clearest way possible. Sometimes that means having like working with a full draft and saying, what is it you're trying to say? Or what's the question you're asking with this play? And how can we make that sharper? Is that by changing the structure? Or is that actually by like introducing a new character? But sometimes it might, we might start at much earlier stages. So someone might say, I have an idea. I know yeah, I want yeah. it to be a three act play, but I don't really know how to get there. And then we'll kind of work together to think about what might be the best vehicle for you to do that. Is this a one person play or is it actually a play with lots of characters? So I guess it always starts with the playwright and what what they're trying to say or do or ask about the world or, or the people that, that inhabit the world. And then helping them to kind of achieve that, essentially, to realise their intentions in in the best possible way. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because that sort of sounds like what my job is as a script editor, but like instead of it being with a screenplay, it's with a play, which is interesting Mm -hmm. because it's they're very different things because we read a lot of plays for work and stuff in development. You do read a lot of plays, but there is a sort of difference. So I think, yeah, it's just interesting to hear about because it obviously is a lot of, it's just different in a, in a way, but similar as well. And I imagine that sort of overlaps a lot with being a director because it's all about like the meaning and the, and the voice and stuff. And as a director, you could probably switch between those brains. It must be quite yeah. helpful. Yeah, really helpful. I think like, especially having now directed a few things that I've also dramaturged, it's really helpful because I feel like I've already done a lot of the work in trying to get mm. inside the writer's mind. But I do feel like I try and uh, like separate the roles out a little bit. So there's a sense of a script development stage and then like a rehearsal draft stage where things might still change, but I'm then influencing the script as a director. So I'm saying this isn't clear as an audience member because this particular actor, it's not working. So we need to we need to change it. Whereas at the earlier stages, I'm more trying to stick with the writer and say, what is it you're trying to achieve? How do we get there? And not think too far into, I know I'm going to want music here. Or I know I'm going to want movement here. So I'm going to like shape the, you know, the, the thing around what I'm going to want to achieve, like it, as a full production. So I guess like the, the two roles are, are really connected. And I feel like every director in a way is a dramaturg. That's what we're doing, looking at text, yeah, drawing out meaning. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I find it helpful to try and keep some of that, like the brain that you need for the further, the stages further along the line, kind of at bay when you're just working with a writer to try and really pin down what it is they're trying to say in the writing that, that they're producing essentially yeah no that that's, that's very interesting and like I, another question is because this is the thing with podcasts you just have questions in the moment and then you're like trying to also stay on track but it's, it's all good <laughs> um, you were talking about some of the plays you were getting to read at uni and stuff so I just wonder was there like any that really jumped out that you really remember reading and going that's really influenced me now oh gosh I feel like there are so many I think I think it was partly getting to read classic plays like Greek drama I suddenly mm. got like saw them in a different light I guess just by examining them more closely and how because I can't read Greek <laughs> I can't read translations but I found it really interesting because I was talking to my supervisors who could often read the plays in Greek and trying to and how different translations were able to capture different things and I guess that opened my eyes to how powerful language is as a tool 
in terms of the way it sounds as well as the literal meanings of things and how like sound and you can't really separate sound and sense mm. and how like when when meaning often when meaning breaks down in a piece of text and you're only left with sound that's also re- a really powerful way of communicating something so I think I think there was something there that kind of was I was like wow but other than that I think I guess the plays of Sarah Kane really stand out to me I kind of hate them kind of love them I, I remember feeling quite angry at the time reading them that I was like this is so horrific who would write this but I also was like there's she's she's actually a really great writer I shouldn't say actually obviously don't don't include that in the podcast she's obviously a brilliant writer <laughs> And I I guess when I got past my initial like visceral gut reaction, this was horrific, that I could appreciate her craft essentially and what she was doing and how bold and like genre defining her work is and how, especially as a female playwright, that that's so needed. So yeah, I guess kind of those two things, like the two ends of the spectrum of like... Yeah, really yeah. early classical stuff and kind of quite modern. Cool. No, I think we'd managed to cover a lot of the dramaturg stuff, which is great because I, I wanted to know about it. And also, really? like, I suppose, like, as we were saying, like, next steps, so like after you graduate and stuff, like, and you're thinking, I'd really want to give this directing a go. What sort of happened then? How, how did that go at first? And like, what were you, what was your sort of first experiences doing that? Yeah, so I guess the first thing I did was, was do dramaturgy, essentially. That's what felt like I could do most easily. I already knew some writers. And so I, I guess I just started reading people's plays and offering them like my thoughts on them and then that kind of developed into something when people found that helpful it felt like oh this is actually like a role that I can play rather than just like as a friend so I guess it developed from there and it was through that that I started meeting writers that then said do you want to go on and direct this play of mine so I guess yeah that was kind of the way into it (laughs) yeah yeah and like how do you sort of because obviously the two like dramaturgy and directing intertwine as we talked about how do you sort of collaborate with a writer like it's like a way that you like to do that is do you have like a preferred style of, of doing that because I imagine it's unique to every director I guess yeah I think it really depends on the writer like it mm-hmm. I feel like writers demand different things yeah, from they, def- you. they very much do yeah yeah so I think like a lot of it is like responding to them and working out what's the best way to navigate that relationship in order to get the best out of them and realizing that you're that you're telling their story but I'm also obviously bringing my own thing to it and telling my own story and like one of the things I find most exciting about directing when it gets to the stage where we're actually rehearsing actors and things is that I feel like I'm creating a whole world and that feels really exciting and sometimes that is really in line with what the writer wants and sometimes maybe it kind of like jostles with what they want in an interesting way or sometimes it's like you've you've got to kind of work that out (laughs) because it's not really what they intended so I, I think it just really depends on the writer and like how they work essentially how what they want from the process and trying trying to meet them but also like staying true to the story that I want to tell as a director and why I've chosen to direct that specific play like why that resonates with me and what I want to put on the stage you know as a director as well as trying to serve their intentions if this is making sense no absolutely I, I, but that must be a hard negotiation sometimes like because for me when I'm working with writer as a script they're like it's sort of not really my I, I because I'm not directing it I don't have a right to have like beyond a vision of what their vision is so it's almost like you have to be willing to let go more because it's not really your story but imagine as a director you have more of a creative say on stuff almost so it's like it must be more hard to compromise like I guess yeah and sometimes I obviously get, I get really attached to things and I really want to make them happen and sometimes you know if you push hard enough then a writer comes around and other times you have to let go of it because you're still using somebody else's words um, and also telling their story but I I guess so far I've managed to work around things in a way that's meant I felt like I've been able to serve what I want to do as well as kind of trying as well as like maintaining that relationship but yeah I guess it's yeah it's tricky (laughs) no no, it's definitely and sort of like what was the what was the first do you remember what the first play you ever directed was is in like after like sort of professionally yeah like I I suppose you can answer both I mean you can also say the the name of the whatever the first one you technically directed was as well still counts Um, you know absolutely I think I think the first thing I directed like first first thing I directed was a piece from I think it was like a section of a doll's house when I was at school and that was fun and then since I would guess like my first like main production I would say like since as a kind of professionally as you said would be Lovesick this a play a, a new play that I developed with the writer that then I went on to direct I guess I feel like that's my yeah sort of most ambitious 
piece so far yeah and what, what was sort of love sick about and like how was that experience and that must that sounds really interesting yeah I mean it was great so love sick is about a woman who gets a heart transplant who falls in love with her surgeon and we realized through the course of the play that the surgeon had or was, was romantically involved with the donor and so with the, the play asks questions about uh, whether organs have memory and whether the fact that the surgeon had a relationship with the donor whether that has anything to do with the fact that the, the patient who now has his heart has feelings for the surgeon and it also asks questions about like where our feelings come from and can we ever know so yeah I guess I asked loads of interesting things and yeah it was it like such a great experience I developed the play with the writer and we had a kind of like three month development period which was great and she was really receptive to like my feedback and every uh, our conversations would sort of happen in draft form so I'd kind of like talk at her not getting that much response and then she'd go away and produce something and I'd be like oh here it is so that was like really exciting to kind of see the play evolve and then yeah getting to kind of put it on as well I think for me was like combined everything I love about Mm. theatre actually partly because it 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 was like really well written and mostly quite naturalistic used naturalistic dialogue but it also had poetry and I included a lot of movement and music to tell the story so I guess yeah the kind of like harmony of all those things was was really exciting to work on yeah yeah you know that sounds great I'll come on to sort of the current play you're directing in a second but I also I kind of wanted to ask like what's it like for you as a director on like the opening night or something I imagine is that must be quite hard because you've done sort of all you know you've done like everything you can and it's sort of out of your control one when a play's on it's sort of out of your control like I imagine that must almost be kind of hard but really exciting yeah really really terrifying because you're like I want everything that we've worked on to be there but also really exciting because having an audience in changes things as well and you start to realize that actually the play is in conversation with the audience and how the actors respond to that is really interesting especially where we were doing lovesick both times it was performed it was in a very small intimate theater where you could really see the actors close up and they I was very lucky that I was working with actors who had incredibly expressive faces so in a way being that close up was was actually a real plus because you could see the slight change in their expression brought out a kind of another nuance in their relationship so yeah I mean it's it's scary I would say I I went to every single performance of lovesick which wasn't the plan but one it's it's such a brilliant play I never got bored of it but I also am probably not very good at just letting go and letting things happen so I continue to give notes until the last performance (laughs) yeah so I feel like I can keep shaping and kind of like refining the details forever yeah um yeah so it's hard to kind of say okay it's on now there you go (laughs) I suppose but if if you if you're directing a film for example that you get to control everything like you get to do the shot then you can just keep redoing it until it's the way you kind of want it to be I guess yeah obviously with in reason like you know, there might be some restrictions financially on that but like I suppose like that much I suppose that's the one thing then I suppose as you say the joy of that is like you can watch a performance and go the audience mm. responded well to this we're going to change this for tomorrow or whatever so that is also yeah. exciting in a different way yeah yeah but it, it's true like you can't keep doing the same bit over and over over until you get it perfect and that's the only bit that the outside world sees you can do lots in the rehearsal room but I guess the something that's both really brilliant and also quite frustrating about being a theatre director is that you're working with humans that don't necessarily do exactly what you want them to do like sometimes I think it'll be easier to work with you know little just like the model figures and move them around the model box and then you can just do them you know but obviously that would be boring and not what the job is at all so yeah it's it's both something that's really like it invigorating to be in a room with other live humans who are bringing all sorts of interesting stuff but it also means that you never you never quite know what's going to happen but I guess that's yeah. why it's, it's fun <laughs> absolutely I suppose that's the magic of theatre isn't it so um yeah. but I've sort of alluded to it a few times but I thought it'd be a good time now to talk about your new play Proud which is coming out in a few weeks which is really exciting so do you want to talk about that and like sort of tell the listeners what it's all about so okay so Proud is a new play by a writer called Brent Gosling. And it's about a black British man called Roland who has grown up in a religious Pentecostal community who comes out as gay at 40 after his religious mother dies. This liberates him to live openly at last as a gay man. And it's about his relationship with a much younger man he meets who called Amir, who is a refugee from a war zone. And it's about how they navigate a relationship uh, with Amir's PTSD and how that complicates things between them, as well as Amir's struggle to come to terms with his sexual identity and they're kind of they're both on journeys of self-acceptance but maybe Roland's a little further along that journey 
than Amir. So we kind of, it, it explores that side of things. And it also looks at Roland's relationship with his teenage son, Gary, and how strange that's become now that Roland has left. Now his pe- Gary's parents have split up and Roland mm. now lives very far away from Gary and his mom in Brixton. He, he now lives in Walthamstow. <laughs> yeah. No, but the play, the play sounds very interesting, of course. And it's, it's out on the 22nd of February, so it's literally a few weeks. So I imagine it's getting closer and closer in the rehearsals and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's scary how that it's coming up quite so soon now. Um, yeah, so it's on at the King's Head Theatre from the 22nd of February to the 12th of March. Yeah. Exciting. And what's the process for this play sort of been like then? Like, How long have you been involved in the development of it and things like that? Yeah, so now actually quite a while. So this is another play that I, I dramaturged. So I met the writer actually through like an online play reading workshop during mm. one of the lockdowns, COVID, COVID lockdowns. And yeah, through that, we kind of just got working on, on a couple of his plays. And then he asked me to direct this one. So yeah, we've been working together for a while. And I guess it's like changed like quite a bit over time but yeah it's been it's been really exciting I think like I particularly loved having actors in the room for this they brought so much to it also because the play is about three men and male relationships and obviously I'm a woman I feel like I can bring a different side to it but it's been Mm. really interesting to see how they interpret the characters and how they relate to one another so yeah I mean it's been great well yeah Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. I sort of also wanted to ask about like you know your process of in directing and had some sort of more questions about that because I know I was reading as well on your website that you quite like to work with small casts to make things more intimate and I know that Proud is also quite a small cast isn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just three act three characters yeah yeah I, I guess because I like detail I like going quite deep on the text but also then doing quite detailed work once we're up and up on our feet I guess I like working with small casts in order to be able to give the play and the characters that much attention. So I guess, yeah, I do like working with small casts. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and does that sort of, has that always been the case? Is that something that you'd always quite like, like going to see shows that are quite small and intimate? Yeah, I think so. So far anyway, I feel like often those are the plays that allow us to get closest to the characters and, and explore what's really going on in each of their lives and what's, yeah, I guess like their internal world is something that we can examine more closely when there are fewer of them so yeah I guess a lot of my favorite plays involve kind of two yeah, three, yeah. Four. no it's very interesting I've, I've got like so I've got a sort of few more questions as I was saying at the start like I have some sort of very specific directory questions to ask you sure. and it's sort of I guess about like as we we're saying just like your process and like your sort of mind and stuff but like I wondered like what what is it you look for in a story particularly like what really interests you about like theater as a medium as well oh I feel like there's two uh, questions in that which might be confusing there, but I hope you don't understand there are I'll, 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 I'll start with the first one like what interests me in in a story I guess anything that like we we're talking about in terms of small cast anything that gets really close to the like character driven stories I guess that yeah. really examines like their internal worlds essentially Um, I'm really interested in like us as human beings what what makes what drives us to do things or the experiences that can shape us or that can destroy us and and using theatre as a tool to look more closely at that in order to try and understand ourselves better essentially so anything that does that 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 allows us to get really close to to what's going on in someone's life and like the psychological processes that lead us to make decisions or to sabotage things 
yeah, I guess that's what I look for. But then I feel like that ties in quite closely to what I feel theatre can do, which is it can uh, allow us to to see people in another light. I guess it can it can show us like the best and the worst of humanity and how that often exists in one person. And somehow theatre can do that without so much judgment. Like it can just put it on the stage and allow right. people to to ask questions about it or just to become to you know to get a deeper understanding or more empathy for someone that they might not necessarily have had walking into the theater. So I guess that's what really excites me and um, that we're we're so often like blinded by our own assumptions like I'm as we all are. Um and I guess yeah. There's, yeah there's something so powerful about theater that it can just like start to peel back the layer of that and say what if for a second you just assume something different or you're forced to kind of sit up and realize that people aren't exactly who you think they are and I think that's definitely what excited me about Proud that they in a way all the characters make assumptions about each other and that's what informs how they relate to one another and that's actually what gets in their way and it's only by being able to have a conversation which they do only very late on in the play that they're able to get clarity on who each other actually are and and that's what builds a deeper connection between them and it feels like there's something about what's happening in the play between the characters that can be mirrored between the audience and the play that we can like we can do something similar we can we can shift a little bit and see things in a slightly different light yeah no no 100% um a really interesting answer but like sort of theater and like as a medium as well and a sort of on that note, I just wanted to ask you, because I mean, a lot of directors are different, but do you think you would ever be interested in directing, say, an episode of television or a film? Or are you very much like, is your heart very much in like theatre and like that as a medium? And you don't have to even know that because that's a very like, you know, you could do both, I guess. Like, Yeah, I guess like for right now, I definitely theatre is is where I want to be. I love TV and I love film as well. And I think we can do really interesting, we can do other things that are really great. Like even just, you know, we were filming a trailer for Proud over the weekend and just editing that. I was like, oh, wow, there's there's all these other tools that you can use mm. in that medium to maybe say or do something or or, or create another, another feeling, which is really interesting. I, I don't really know anything about film directing. So I feel like if I was to do it tomorrow, I'd be terrible. And I guess there is, going back to what we were talking about before, like the best and the worst thing about this, there's some Something about its liveness that I feel very attached to at the moment and that because I'm I love working with movement and music and using those as ways to to dig deeper into people's emotional lives essentially as another lens onto things there's something about being in a room with that with actually watching bodies moving and hearing music even if it's pre-recorded just being in the same room as music being played somehow there's something for me like very affecting about that and I, I just love that theatre can do that and that I can say an awful lot in an opening sequence where no one says anything. We just hear a few notes and actors are moving in a certain way. And I feel like I can get closer or kind of make a comment about the play without being the writer. And that I yeah. For me, that's really, really exciting. Oh, 100%. That's a, a very interesting answer to that question. Thank you for answering it. And I, I have sort of some quick, fiery questions. And these are sort of just little fun ones. Sure. And So don't worry, there's not, no pressure to be like too fast, but it's sort of just meant, the idea is it's meant to be a bit quicker than the other ones. Okay. And, the, and the first one of these is like, I was, I wonder what, what's like the, your favourite play that you'd ever seen live? But I'm going to be cheeky and I'm going to sort of split this into two. So I'm going to give you like the favourite classical play or like traditional play and your favourite sort of more modern play. So the first sort of part of that, like, what would you say? Oh God, it's so hard to choose. You can give like a few answers if it's easier. You can like rule off a couple of examples. Yeah, it's so difficult. Let me just try and think. <laughs> um, I guess like favourite classical, classical drama. One of them would be Trojan Woman. It's such a depressing play, but something about the way it gets so close to grief, I just think is is incredible. So I guess I'd love to direct that and see if it can still, we can make it feel like resonant for modern audiences, even though it, like the way the dialogue is written in any translation feels quite strange. I guess like there's so many Shakespeare's that I love. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to pick one. Uh, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't know what my favourite Shakespeare would be either. That's like, it is a hard question. So hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I guess like, okay, not, okay, let's say we're leaving Shakespeare to one side. The okay. Duchess of Malfi is another one that I absolutely love. I think, again, a really dark, I don't know why I'm drawn to these really dark plays, but there's something about revenge and how the play gets so close to that and e examines what our motives are and how, they, yeah, I, I guess like it just pushes humanity to such extremes. Mm. There's something quite interesting there. And then I guess less classical, but also 
one of my favorites is anything by Tennessee Williams, I guess, because he was just a master at looking at the human psyche, just like things like Blanche's unraveling in a in streetcar. I just think I could just, yeah, I, I could watch some versions of that and mm. find something different. I've always wanted to see The Glass Menagerie. It's like always, I missed it. It was on at the Fringe a couple of years ago, like a really good version of it. And I come, it's my, one of my biggest regrets is missing out on getting tickets for it because I just didn't, I thought I'll turn up, it'll be fine and it was sold out. So you, that, yeah. you, that's just brought back the trauma of that. Sorry to go off on that little <laughs> Oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something about him as, as almost like a, a dramaturg or something as well, that he, his whole idea of plastic theatre and how we can use all the elements of production to to look into someone's mind essentially i think that really influenced me and made me realize how powerful they are that maybe he he was doing it in a more expressionist way than than maybe i would would want to attempt to do it but i think yeah there was something about him writing about so about different different forms of storytelling and how they all coalesce on the stage and how that how we can use them to kind of examine something maybe sometimes a bit ugly about human nature yeah, I think that kind of has definitely influenced my my like style as a director. No, he's a very, very, very talented playwright. And the sort of next one of these quick fire ones is sort of about like your favorite venue that you'd ever seen a play in. Like is your do you have like a really is there like a venue that you just particularly loved? No, that's such a hard question. Let me think. I mean, I, I guess a venue that I absolutely love and that I would love to direct in is Hamster Theatre downstairs. But I've seen because I live quite near there, I've seen so many plays there over the years. And I love how it's completely different every time. Because it's a little black box studio, they can just transform it into whatever they want and being able to change the seating configuration and using it to, you know, sometimes I've seen plays in there where it feels very like there's a big divide between audience and actors. And they create that sense of kind of like raked cross arch, kind of more that style. And sometimes you're, it really feels like you're in the space with with the play and the whole space is taken over. Uh, to create the world so I guess like the divert the diversity like and and the like the flexibility of the space is something that yeah I think is really exciting yeah no that's a really interesting answer I've, I've never been to the venue but like I'd, I love answering that question to people involved in fear because it just always makes you like have a little bucket list of venues you should definitely check out and the sort of last one of the of these quick fire questions is like do you have like a favorite play that you've directed you and it's a very very tough one to ask you because it's like picking a favorite child I imagine like it's like if somebody asked me what my favorite podcast episode or whatever I've done is so far but like do you have a favorite play that you maybe enjoyed directing the most I think so far it would be lovesick just because it as I said I feel like it ticks all my boxes as a director it's it's great writing really meaty characters loads to explore but it also uses things like verse that we then pre-recorded and it felt like that was a kind of way into the character's subconscious that I found really interesting and the fact that I could use movement and music to really kind of manipulate the story and create I guess partly because I had no idea how audiences were going to react, but I felt like, you know, some of the responses that we got was like, it, I felt like it changed people. Not, not that makes me sound like, oh my God, it was amazing. But it, even just very slightly that people came out feeling like, oh, there's something, they kind of seen something in it. And that obviously is really, really exciting. And, and what I feel like I want to do with theatre, I guess also because we were working in like small fringe theatres that you worry our audience is going to be immersed are they just going to be aware of the noises outside or the pub downstairs I guess having the experience that some people really were immersed and you know we're talking about the characters afterwards it felt like I'd achieved what I set out to achieve which was was to create a world and make people go away and ask questions about where our feelings are coming from Mm. and whether we can ever really know yeah I guess no, that's a good answer. Funny. Thank you for answering it <laughs> as well. Um, well I've, I've started to wrap things up slowly. So I've got, I've got a couple of questions to wrap things up with. And this is sort of a new question I've only been asking for the last like two or three episodes. So I'm still getting used to it. But like, yeah. it sort of is like, what are the sort of three essential skills you think are most needed to work in the part of the creative industries you work in? So to be a director or dramaturg, what do you think like three of the most important skills somebody would need to do those jobs would be? Um, the ability to examine text and draw out quite quickly what you feel the story is what you feel someone's trying to say or ask Mm. with that story in order to be then be able to to help them refine that or to challenge it or to strengthen it in some way so I guess having those kind of like text analysis skills is really useful I think people skills and being able to manage people was something that you know, I feel like I, I as a director would love to be able to just be in a room, rehearsal room every day and just work with actors and just, you know, talk to my composer and do all the creative bits, essentially, which is the fun part. But 
I have also had to run a team of people and that is challenging. So I guess like I've had to get a lot better at it, just like managing people essentially and like sorting out problems when they arise. I guess part of that is like being really organized, managing your time, that sort of thing. And yeah, being able to be really clear, I think in what, in what you say, I don't know if I'm doing a very good good job of it now. (laughs) No, Um, it's It's a brilliant answer. Communicating with actors and with your creative team, if you can be as clear as possible about what you want and as, and say it as concisely as possible, like you'll get better results. (laughs) No, that was honestly a a brilliant answer. And I thought it was, it was very concise. So don't worry. Thank you for answering that. And I'm going to quickly chuck this question as well. It's sort of about like, obviously you sort of mentioned as a highlight being a female director and stuff. I just wondered as like a woman in the industry, because we talk, we try to talk about this quite often on the podcast and we'd had quite a lot of female guests on and stuff for example but like how do you sort of feel as a woman in in this industry and like do you because I know there's still a lot of inequality there but do you think you'd had a lot of equal opportunities and do you think things are getting better etc um yeah I think like I've tried to create my own work as far as possible so that I've had to like I've I've almost avoided situations where I felt like I was like that I might I don't know if this is the right kind of answer but where I might be discriminated against So like I've, yeah, I've just tried to be kind of like so far, like the author of my career and so far, like it's, it's been okay, but I've definitely noticed like sexism still exists um, and it's really like, it's not necessarily conscious, but I think sometimes working with male writers or producers that they just don't have the same respect. I, I guess also like often because I'm, for example, I am the writer and the producer of Proud and I, I have played similar roles that being like a woman in power, even though I'm at a very, you know, I'm not, you know, the boss of the national, but I think that is also challenging and that maybe people like just still subconsciously don't really know how to how to deal with that so Mm. yeah I guess like that I found challenging but I would say I've been pretty lucky so far to work with really really nice people and as far as possible I try and make everything about the work try to avoid as many kind of I don't know people problems by always drawing everything back to this shared goal that we're trying to tell a story and how best can we do that essentially yeah no of course thank you for answering that as well it's just i mean we recently had a bafta award-winning documentary filmmaker on the podcast called hannah curry who sort of spoke about this as well similar in her industry but she said like you know it's just an important conversation to keep going so i always try to to sort of speak to when we have like a female guest on the podcast because i think it is an important thing to shine a light on and like you know and to talk about it so thank you for for being honest about your experiences there just get a real got two two more questions to go but this one is obviously the name of the podcast is just get a real job so we'd like to ask our mm-hmm. guests like what's the worst quote real job or the worst part-time job you'd ever had to work to support your art the worst job i had was i uh was making these like health foodie energy bars i was like working for this woman i'm not sure if the company even exists anymore but having to do that for like hours and then going to like health food shops and trying to get people to sample these weird bars and then like buy them and i just was like this is not what i want to be doing with my life so i guess yeah that was probably the worst one (laughs) yeah no but the reason we sort of ask this this question is that everyone has had to work like a sort of dead-end job or a job they don't particularly enjoy in this industry and it it just makes their you know listeners feel better because we'd all had to do it so yeah again thank yeah, you but I think even, even the name of the podcast uh, really reflects my experience in the industry so far that um people are like oh so like what do you do as your main job and I'm like no 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 this is my main job like I, I I'm a director that's what I do uh, I think there's still so much like misunderstanding about the fact that especially when you're not working in a theater that everybody's heard of that it, it this isn't like an after school activity anymore yeah, that it's 100%. like if this is this is the real job <laughs> yeah it's not a hobby you know it's not a hobby, yeah exactly so. exactly yeah. exactly it's always yeah. the idea to sort of mock that as that is the sort of premise of the podcast i guess yeah um, well it, it really resonated so yeah you did a good well, i'm very glad <laughs> very glad well the sort of last question for you and thank you as well we got through it i think we've done very well considering we're both knackered so i think it's been good we got there very well but the sort of last question is just like do you have any tips for anyone who wants to be a director or a dramaturg like what would you say to them yeah, so this this is where I would say like persevere and being able to keep going when the going gets tough is really like my main tip that I definitely learned this year that nothing is straightforward. There is I've come up against so many challenges 
just in the first couple of shows that I've done and because I love directing so much and I always have in mind like once I'm in the room with the actors that's what all of this is for uh, that's kind of kept me going so I guess like holding on to why you love what you do um, in order to be able to persevere and my other tips would be don't Overpromise and underdeliver. I just absolutely hate it. I'm sure I do it as well. But there are so many people that say, yeah, 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 I'll do that for you, or I'll do this role for you, or I'll deliver this on this time. And it doesn't happen. And immediately I just think, oh, I'm not going to work with that person again. So I guess I've read, having noticed that I've made more of an effort myself to just only like promise things that I feel like I can actually deliver on. So I guess it would be that. But as part of that, I guess it's like having respect for other people's time. Like I think everyone in this industry, there's just never enough time. We always have a deadline, which is a show. And like, we can't push that back. Their opening night is opening night. So I guess like being really conscious of that. And that of course, other people have to work other jobs and things in order to keep themselves afloat so yeah just having a respect for the fact that everyone's like working with limited time and trying to achieve an awful lot in not very long and I guess like the final thing would be to try and like discover your voice as an artist I'm obviously still in the process of doing that but I've just already like from what actors have said to me for example I didn't even really realize it until one of my actors said to me oh you have a really physical approach to staging text and I was like oh that's actually really helpful to know so I guess like being able to yeah just discover who you are as a as a creator and what like what you're going to bring to every like piece of work you create essentially yeah. Well, that was a, a brilliant answer to the last question. Like, oh, great. And I don't think anyone's ever said this sort of don't overpromise and underdeliver before in this podcast, which is, a, I always love it when somebody gives like advice we've not heard. That's, that's so true. And like, it can be hard because, you know, especially if you want to, you know, you're trying to be helpful, but like, I think it's a great thing Definitely. to try and be mindful of. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I feel like I, you know, I want to say yes to everything as well. Like it's, you know, you want to make connections and, and like do as much as you can for people. But I think the worst thing is saying you'll do something and then not being able to do it because yeah. you just haven't thought about the time that it will take or you know the the tools that you're going to need to do it so yeah I guess just being aware of that <laughs> yeah. no, thank you Vance and on the sort of like respect to people's time thank you very much for giving up your Tuesday night and giving up an hour to speak to us on the podcast it's very much appreciated I've really enjoyed it no thanks so much for having me it's been great well there you have it that was my conversation with Marley and um, thank you very much for listening I hope you enjoyed it thank you again to Marley for her time it was really really interesting to hear about her work as a director and her process I think she shared some great advice and as well be sure to go and see Proud when it's out in London next week opens on the 22nd of February at the Kingshead Theatre links to that in the show notes be sure to go and check out some of Marley's other work as well there's also a link to her website as always as I said in the intro and in the ad break if you're enjoying the podcast be sure to tell friends and family to listen to be sure to spread the word around the interwebs tell people to listen it really does help as discover new listeners as well if you can leave us like a five star review on apple podcasts spotify now has an option as well to rate podcasts just anywhere where you listen you leave us a little five star review or subscribe that also really helps us find new listeners and if you can afford to donate as little or as much as you can to our patreon page that also really really helps and there's also a link to that underneath the podcast Anyway, I hope wherever you are in the world, you have a lovely week and we'll be back again next Tuesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Just get a real job.